Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We're very, today is uh, March 18th. 2016. I'm Charlie Wright, and we're very pleased to welcome Robert Kaplan of the law firm of Kaplan, Vokler, Cunningham, and Frank talking to us today about his new book. He's the author of Regulation A+, How the Jobs Act Creates Opportunities for Entrepreneurs and Investors. Rob, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thanks very much, Charlie. Great to be here. So, Rob, let's begin with a very uh, brief uh, introduction of you and what your focus has been in the world of law over the past years. Sure. Well, again, yes, my name's Rob Kaplan. I'm the managing partner for practices here at Kaplan, Bokler, Cunningham, and Frank. Uh, I've been practicing securities law for the past 20 years, and uh, my focus is largely in uh, real estate-based alternatives, um, uh, uh, growth companies seeking to form capital on aggressive basis, and uh, finally uh, publicly listed and traded securities. Okay, so tell us about your book, Regulation A, How the Jobs Act Creates Opportunities for Entrepreneurs and Investors. Sure. The uh, the book comes out of work I started probably about six years ago when the first bills were introduced in Congress to reform Regulation A and other methods of exempt offering and started working with the uh, Congress in drafting legislation, testifying before the Senate, and ultimately working with the SEC on development of the rules of implementation around Regulation A. And Regulation A is, interestingly enough, has been on the books since the late 30s, but has rarely been used uh, to form capital after the introduction of Regulation D in the early 80s. And so it kind of got lost in the, uh, in the panoply of regulations and rules for several decades after the um, credit markets collapse in 2000 and 2008. There were a lot of investors in Regulation D-style exempt investments that, uh, you know, were stuck in these uh, non-traded investments, and so it really started people looking at whether other exempt options should be out there uh, that provided more liquidity and allowed uh, sponsors and companies looking for capital to go to a broader base of individuals or investors, whether they be individuals or entities, uh, without some of the onus re- onerous regulation that you see like Sarbanes-Oxley or Dodd-Frank. And so the rule changes came, but because so many people were unfamiliar with it, uh, I really felt compelled with my co-authors to write this book to explain the background, to explain the context of how Regulation A works and and what what the law did in order to help uh, issuers to form capital. And then, of course, uh, get uh, people, whether they be issuers or professionals in the securities marketplace, really focused on some of the issues to make this this market thrive. So why don't you tell us, Rob, uh, what are the situations that Reg A uh, looks to ameliorate and improve? Yeah, so... 
after that, that credit market collapse that I uh, referenced a while back, uh, you know, you had a lot of individuals looking at the state of the securities market at at that time, and there were it was broadly divided into two categories: publicly registered securities, which had Dodd Frank, Sarbanes Oxley regulation, Graham Leach Bliley, all that kind of stuff on it. And in fact, those markets were rapidly consolidating because of the expense and complexity that had developed over time in the public markets. And you had private securities. And those private securities usually came with restrictions on how you could uh, sell those securities, but furthermore, really restricted how investors could sell those securities. And what and beyond simply the legal restrictions, there really wasn't much of a market outside of ultra high net worth people to sell those securities because there's no information about those securities out in the marketplace. What really came about was. Uh, um, uh, a sort of a groundswell, if you will, amongst legislators, lawyers, uh, folks in the lower level of capital raising, saying, look, we really got to find a way to open the uh, channels for capital to a broader public audience, but do so in a way that's very balanced uh, to deal with protection of the investors and provided liquidity. One of the great lessons that came out of the credit market collapse for uh, securities practitioners like myself and uh, and uh, brokers and financial advisors dealing in alternative investments is that while the SEC and Congress had always been well-intended in you know, having these restrictions around how these securities were sold or traded, the reality was that the lack of liquidity exacerbated the problem when uh, the credit markets collapsed and a lot of these investments started to fail. So what Regulation A uh, does is look to strike that balance between investor retail uh, investor protection, you know, the, the man on the street, his protection in, in investing in these types of securities, but allowing these types of issuers to reach the public at large and provide a liquid investment that isn't subject to some of the most more onerous uh, areas of registration uh, um, compliance and ongoing operational compliance that you see with uh, traditionally publicly registered securities. So, so, so Rob, what I got out of your book, and, and by the way, I, I read the whole thing, and uh, it, it, it was very interesting from an entrepreneur's standpoint, because it focuses also on, on the investors, because you have to start with the end in mind here, is that these private placement offerings, which are not publicly traded uh, companies or, or offerings in any way, they had these, as you say, onerous rules placed upon them, and they couldn't advertise and they couldn't raise uh, so much money and primarily they had to work with um, uh, co- uh, qualified investors and uh, accredited investors and these accredited investors everybody had to show that uh, they were accredited investor and they had to be worth so much and so you couldn't work with uh, the regular investor and all of these rules made it very difficult very time consuming and very very expensive and there, there was no liquidity in the market for secondary offerings and so it made it very expensive and very difficult for these private placement offerings to come about. And this 
legislation supposedly improves that. Is that kind of a bottom line in that regard? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the way it works is that uh, rather than relying on restricting the method of offering the securities or restricting their liquidity, the issuer submits to an oversight of the disclosure process by the SEC really similar but a lot more streamlined than the public the traditional public registration process and when that is over the securities themselves are exempted from registration so now the issuer is free to offer them publicly like any other public security and the investors are free to trade those securities at the end of the day so um, it, it really is designed to trade uh, providing a very narrow avenue for offering your securities and a very narrow avenue for exits to submitting to an intermediate level, if you will, of regulatory oversight in order to have that freedom to reach a lot of people and to sell those securities regularly. You know, a great point that your book makes that, in fact, I've quoted you more than once uh, from the book, was that uh, in some of the uh, proceedings uh, with legislators, they were saying, hey, we need to protect the public. And the point was brought up that, hey, uh, we're talking about a world of about $40 billion of investments. Well, Governments issue $140 billion of, um, of lotto tickets. Okay, and so the the talk about risk. There is no investment that's anywhere close to being as high risk. Okay, as these lotto tickets are. Okay, and so uh, don't talk to us about risk. <laughs> what we're offering here is so much safer. All right, than what the government is offering to people. Well, that's absolutely right, and 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 we made the argument, and and continue, continue. We made the argument throughout the process, and continue to make the argument today that look, the greatest protections that the sophisticated, the unsophisticated investor could have in the marketplace is diversification, so the opportunity to invest in a lot more and a lot different investments, which the normal man on the street did not have before Regulation A, and the ability to sell out of the position. I mean, it's all well and good if the person reaches has a certain wealth and there's been a certain uh, limited nature to the security out there, but have they really been protected if they invest in something and then they have to watch it crater into the ground or what have you? So in our world, our position was and what has prevailed and what is developing is, look, with Regulation A securities, you now have a situation where individuals can invest in all kinds of different kinds of investments. They're not limited to hedge fund or uh, money market funds or mutual funds and some stocks here or there that are have been, you know, washed through the big institutional uh, uh, investor secondary trading five times over before they have access to the securities. And if they need to get liquid, if they need, if they're if they can't tolerate the risk of their position anymore, they can sell. They may take a little loss. They may take a big gain. But they can contain that loss by selling in the marketplace. And that's really the key. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's such an important point. Rob, I'll hold that right there. We need to take a short break. We're talking with Rob Kaplan uh, of the law firm 
Kaplan, Volkler, Cunningham, and Frank out of Richmond, Virginia. And we're talking about his book, Regulation A+, How the Jobs Act Creates Opportunities for Entrepreneurs and Investors. And you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his guest. Thank you very much, Paul. Again, we're talking with Robert Kaplan, author of Regulation A. So, Rob, tell us, uh, with these changes and what look like to be excellent improvements of private placement offering opportunities, what kind of uh, impact do you see going forward? Are we going to see far more of these opportunities uh, for the regular investor? Well, they, they haven't been available for the regular investor, but for everybody, are they going to proliferate to a significant degree? Have they already started to do that? What kind of impact are they going to have here? Yeah, I, I think I think you saw a um, a period of slow ramping when the 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 final rules of the SEC came out, which was June of last year, uh, because really you were asking the uh, the private sector to really fill a new space in the market that, quite frankly, regulation and and the realities of economics really closed up for about twenty years, and so you saw a, a sort of a slow tepid participation in the first six months that these offerings were available. However, what we've seen since December is twice as many offerings being filed as were filed in the first six months of of issuers being able to use uh, Regulation A+. And we're seeing a steadily increasing volume of issuers filing uh, these types of deals with the SEC. We're also seeing a much more diverse group of broker-dealers, financial advisors, small institutional investors, so think family offices or or small organized investment entities, uh, starting to move in the securities. Uh, OTC markets there have opened the OTCQX and the OTCQB uh, trading venues to Regulation A securities now. So now we have an, infrastru- uh, an established national infrastructure for secondary uh, trading of the securities. And we're seeing these types of offerings really coming from a very diverse sol- uh, selection of industry sectors, we're seeing bio and uh, life biotechnology and life sciences. We're seeing 
uh, software companies, we're seeing distribution companies, we're seeing consumer retail companies, we're seeing REITs. Uh, there was even uh, an offering filed by a semi-professional soccer team <laughs> towards the end of last year. So I do think what you and and amongst the REITs, uh, uh, our our firm is currently representing two issuers who are coming out with public REITs. Uh, uh, through Regulation A, there have been a couple more that have been filed recently uh, with the SEC. So yeah, we are steadily seeing this ramp up in in types and volume of offerings that are out in the marketplace, and you know that, that that's so important. That's so important because that volume will drive a sense of urgency for the brokerage community in being able to provide these securities uh, to their clientele versus a competitor and to develop that selection, which starts creating the demand for that secondary activity. And I think, you know, that volume over the next 24 months, at some point it's going to reach a critical mass where you're going to see these things really become sort of a mainstream investment product, uh, at least in the alternative world, for people on the streets. And that's very exciting for me. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, and and great, uh, great news for the whole industry, really. So have we received sufficient guidance and direction through regulations, or are we still waiting for more? Yeah, so... When the uh, Congress first passed the Jobs Act and authorized uh, Title IV of the Jobs Act for Regulation A, it took the SEC uh, close to 20 months to come out with their rules, uh, their rules proposal. And that was a very frustrating time for us. But having reviewed the proposed rules and then ultimately the final rules after commentary from the by the SEC, the, they really did a nice job, and, and you can really understand why they took the time they did. They thought through a lot of different issues uh, that would affect how issuers could use uh, portals and more traditional types of public securities distribution in the Reg A space. They thought about things just the logistics of disseminating offering circulars. So now they've gone to an access equals um, uh, delivery method so that as long as you're providing notice to the investors of where they can find the prospectus like you would see in a traditionally publicly traditional publicly registered deal, uh, that's sufficient to meet the delivery requirements. You saw them create rules about how broker-dealers could uh, provide price quotations for these securities. So they did a really nice job in thinking through a lot of these issues. I do think there are two areas that they probably need to be think and are. I, I don't mean to, to imply that they're not. Think about and really think about in concert with Congress and, and probably the state jurisdictions too. And that is one one of the big things that came out of the uh, original Reg A plus rules was the preemption of state registration requirements. Prior to Reg A plus, if you were going to do a Reg A offering, uh, you had to. It, it was first limited to five million dollars in a trailing twelve month period. It is now fifty million dollars in a tra- trailing twelve month period. But you also had to register those securities under state law. 
the new rules preempt that for Tier 2 offerings, uh, but they don't preempt state regulation of secondary uh, market activity. Now, the reality is is that most state regulations require registration of those secondary offerings if they reach a volume and a frequency that really constitutes arbitrage activity. But that's not a bright line. That's not a bright line. And so you have to think about state law uh, in, in every instance. And so you have sort of a wide exemption channel that you can move through, but it's not always certain. So if they could come up with uh, a, an appropriate scheme, whether that be exemption of the secondary activity or work out a definitive uh, way that you trade these that would comply with state law and federal law at the same time, that would be very helpful. Um, there is an actually a bill in Congress right now that would permit venture exchanges, which would preempt uh, state regulation from a registration standpoint, uh, and that would help to expedite the trading process uh, without having to consider all of these uh, minute exemptions in order to get stuff done. But that's an important area um, to deal with. The other thing is, uh, from the state uh, standpoint, even though you don't have to register with the states anymore, you do have to do a notice filing like you would do in a private placement. And so some of the states have adopted uh, pre-offering notice requirements. Some have post-offering notice requirements. Some have no requirement. Uh, NASA has been working on a uniform filing system, but that hasn't quite come to fruition yet. And so if the states could really get on the same um, the same program with regards to that notice requirement, it would be very helpful to expediting the process even further for issuers who, you know, quite often are not the most moneyed companies and do have a real need for their capital right away, and any delay is felt, as you can imagine. Okay, so Rob, uh, let, let's leave for just a minute the private placement portion of that law, and let's go to what has become the highest profile portion of the law, and that is crowdfunding. How does this law and the new regulations impact the crowdfunding world, which everyone expects is going to be huge at some point, and I understand they were also waiting for these uh, more final regulations here. Yeah, so I think the first thing, Charlie, to really um, uh, be clear on is a lot of people get confused when you use the term crowdfunding. The way a lawyer may use the term crowdfunding could be very different from where how a businessman would use it or a, or a securities broker-dealer or a financial advisor might use it. Uh, when most people use the term crowdfunding, they're really – they're really referring to the methodology of using the Internet and these crowd-based portals in order to distribute the security. And in my world, in the lawyer's world, in the Jobs Act world, crowdfunding really specifically speaks to um, Title III of the Jobs Act, which was intended to allow a Kickstarter or Indiegogo-type distribution of securities to assist startups in uh, forming capital and, um, you know, uh, fueling their operations. 
I think Title III, there are interesting permutations to it, and I do think it could be a, um, a an impactful element of a broader capital plan that uses other exemptions uh, as part of the program for a potential issuer. But in, in Title III, what they really did was they, they limited the amount you could raise to a million dollars. They didn't they didn't limit the number of investors you could go to, but they did limit the amount. And they also made the offering subject to section 12 liability, which means that you're going to have to have fairly sophisticated legal counsel helping you to understand your standards of proper disclosure in order to avoid that liability um, in, in the public offering process. Now, they did do some good things. Sort of they, they did not limit, like I said, did not limit the number of investors so you could actually offer these securities in very, very small increments and people could just, you know, buy them on a lark in order to, you know, fuel your company. But it's really limited. Now, where crowdfunding the methodology is clearly having an impact right now is when you marry it with the 506, the 506C or the general solicitation exemption under Regulation D or with Regulation A. In the, in the Regulation D context, which is the traditional private offering, they now the SEC now permits general solicitation if the issuer sells exclusively to accredited investors and that issuer has engaged in a due inquiry process in order to ensure that that person is actually an accredited investor. Under the old private regime, which is still in place, the issuer just needed to have a reasonable belief as to the investor being an accredited investor. Now, the the issuer, if they're going to engage in general solicitation, must have that belief, but it must be based on an inquiry that the SEC, if they audit it, would, would determine is sufficient to have that belief, and that's a facts and circumstances test. The other way is through what we've been talking about, which is Regulation A, where you don't have accreditation and standards, and you have the same general solicitation, and you have the liquidity. And what we are seeing is crowdfunding, the, the strategy itself is having a big impact. Of the, uh, We did a sample of filings from uh, late November to uh, mid-February of this year, and we determined that of those filings, almost 80% of them indicated that they were going to be self, uh, self-distributed self issuances by the issuer, meaning that they were going to be using portals or Internet-based marketing or an alternative form of distribution to broker-dealers in order to put their securities on the street. So it's very interesting to see how crowdfunding, the methodology, the, the distribution strategy has been married up with multiple exemptions under the JOBS Act, not just Title III, which is what lawyers will think of as crowdfunding. So it's clearly having its impact. Now, I will say what we're watching now is what is the opportunity for brokers to marry up with portals in order to distribute 
uh, an issue of securities. I think it's very interesting. There was a couple of deals that came out real, uh, recently. One of them was Elio Motors, which did a portal-based distribution campaign, was fully subscribed for um, a very significant amount of money. But when they went to collect the cash on those subscriptions, they actually fell significantly short of the amount that was subscribed for in the offering. Did very well still, but they came up short. I think it was something like 7 or $8 million. And so, you know, what that's telling me is if I'm going out for a, a, a relatively modest amount of money, say, you know, five to ten million dollars, a portal strategy in and of itself might work. You may want the broker dealer, but it may, may may work on it on its own. But if you're looking to do a larger capital raise or a, or a capital raise around a more complex set of securities, you probably want to marry that strategy with a brokerage. But what's very clear is crowdfunding will be an element of alternative distribution going forward. Okay, very good. Thank you very much, Rob. So, Rob, for people who want to know more, what's your contact information? Sure. Um, my email address is rkaplan at k is in Kaplan, v is in Virginia, dash legal.com. Our website is www.kv-legal.com. Very good, Rob. Thank you very much. A final, a brief final words for our listeners here. Well, uh, I guess uh, my final word will be... Um, to the extent that somebody is looking to raise capital or find a way to advance their business, they really owe it themse- to themselves to find the appropriate financial or legal advisor who is uh, schooled on this very new world and very exciting world uh, of exemptions to the Securities Act. Uh, Congress and the SEC have done a fine job in providing multiple channels to um, young companies, alternative investments, uh, folks looking to get to the new, next level. And uh, it's a brave new world, and I think everybody will benefit from it. Rob, thank you very much. Again, we're, we've been talking with Rob Kaplan of the law firm Kaplan, Volkler, Cunningham & Frank out of Richmond, Virginia, author of Regulation A+, How the Jobs Act Creates Opportunities for Entrepreneurs and Investors. And uh, you've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We wish you all an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. 